the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, The Finance Ghost and Mohammed Nala. Together, we have more than 25 years of combined experience in the markets. In addition to our weekly free show that you know and love, we have now launched Magic Markets Premium, a weekly show for our subscribers in which we give detailed analysis on global stocks. Every premium show is accompanied by a report covering the company's strategic drivers, its operating environment, its competitors, bull versus bear case, technical trading indicators, and a long-term investment thesis. At just 99 Rand per month, we are committed to making institutional-level analysis affordable for all investors and traders. Visit magic-markets.com to go premium and unlock your full potential in the markets. This podcast is brought to you by Tribe South Africa, your gateway to the JC and global markets. Providing an in-depth online trading experience, Tribe exists to empower progression. You can simply and securely trade and invest in JC and US stocks, as well as leveraged products, or invest in tax-free savings accounts. Visit tribe.co.za to find out more or follow them on social media at tribe underscore SA. Welcome to episode 128 of Magic Markets. It's going to be another really interesting show. We're going to touch on a bunch of great companies or are they great companies? I guess we'll find out when we chat to Alex Weiss of Tribe South Africa. He is our guest today. Let me first say hello to Mo all the way from Canada as ever. Welcome Mo. Hi Ghost, always a pleasure doing this with you and also a pleasure welcoming on Alex from Tribe. Uh, this week to speak about something a little bit different. I mean, we've covered a lot of ground with the team from Tribe. We've discussed tech stocks in the US, we've discussed AI. Uh, and interestingly enough, I think for this week, we are looking at combining some of that discussion that we had had around AI, artificial intelligence, but with a very different geographical focus this week. Uh, because Alex, you want to look at some Chinese stocks. Now, this has been hot on the headlines, lots of geopolitical nonsense going on. A lot of these stocks, some of which both I own as well as Ghost own, coming under a lot of pressure. So we're definitely very interested to see what you're thinking about some of these stocks and to share that with our listeners. Welcome, Alex, to Magic Markets. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. Really looking forward to today's discussion. And yeah, again, thank you. This is my third time on the show. And I must say the butterflies and the nerves aren't as bad as they were before. And I hope to add some great insights into yeah, these five companies that I'm about to discuss. Yeah, look, no doubt, based on the previous podcast, there'll be no shortage of insights. So Alex, we've talked before about banking. We've done a show on artificial intelligence. You and the team at Trive have written some really cool stuff in Ghostmail on the energy sector. You recently covered Renogen for us, and I think the pace of those research notes will actually be picking up in Ghostmail from what I've seen, which is exciting because I certainly enjoy them, and I know the readers do as well. But today you have something quite different planned for us. So for this five from Trive, what is the theme that you've decided to touch on? Look, I mean, I've decided to actually touch on five companies from China. Now, the reason I've decided to actually branch away from South Africa and branch away from the US and focus predominantly on five companies from China, it's because, you know, as you would know, Mo, as you would know, Ghost, you know, China is currently incurring a wave of relatively different macroeconomic headwinds. They're currently actually battling against, you know, potential deflation, whereas in the likes of South Africa, we are in a bit of a, a sticky spot 
you know, stagflation is not the place to be. And that is where the country is potentially heading towards. And I mean, the US is still battling against high inflation rates. I mean, we just saw the jobs data come out of the US on Friday. I mean, the labor market is still very, very strong. So that might make the story a bit more complicated than some would perceive for for the US and the Fed specifically. But yeah, I wanted to just touch on five companies from China. And I mean, the first company that I'd like to discuss is Meituan. So I mean, if you guys are happy, I'm ready to to get to get into it. Get in there, Alex. We are waiting with bated breath here. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, as I said, the first company I'd like to touch on is Meituan. And I mean, look, Meituan is currently the world's largest online and on-demand delivery platform with more than 290 million monthly active users and well over 600 million registered users. I mean, those numbers are absolutely mind-boggling. But what really caught my eye with Meituan was the company's highly impressive financials for the first quarter of 2023. And I mean, looking at the share price, I don't think it's actually reacted fully to that or the market is perhaps pricing in stagnated or suppressed growth in the future. You know, we've heard about this potential second COVID wave now in China and the and the potential for that to cut into consumer demand. But nevertheless, I mean, Meituan delivered very impressive financials for the first quarter of 2023 as the company enjoyed increased consumer demand amidst China's post-COVID recovery. And I mean, looking into some of the numbers, revenue increased by close to 27% year on year to 58.6 billion RMB, up from 46.3 billion RMB for the same period last year. The core local commerce segment actually saw its operating profit surge by over 100% to 9.4 billion RMB, up from 4.7 billion RMB just a year ago in the same quarter. And the profit for the period, for example, came in at 3.4 billion RMB, up from a loss of 5.7 billion RMB in the same period a year ago. And yes, you can argue, you know, for example, that these very impressive year-on-year financial growth metrics that we've seen filter through are as a result of exponential increase in consumer demand following China's post-COVID recovery. However, nevertheless, Meituan has really encompassed the increase in consumer demand. And I mean, going into some of the other numbers, for example, I mean, adjusted EBITDA and adjusted net profit came in at 6.3 billion RMB and 5.5 billion RMB for the quarter, reaching their highest levels in the company's history. So, you know, that already eliminates the fact that this is predominantly and only because of the post-COVID recovery. The company's adjusted EBITDA and adjusted net profit levels have never been this high. And I mean, look, the share price at the end of the day is down close to 30, 31% year to date, if I'm not mistaken. And it's currently trading at its lowest level since late October 2022. So in my view, I don't think the share price has fully reacted to some of the potential that Meituan is about to unlock, especially if you know China can get this potential second COVID wave under control and if consumer demand is expected to increase. So a very interesting stock and something that I am cautiously bullish on actually, yes. 
Yeah, Alex, I want to jump in here, maybe even before we get into some of the detail around not just Meituan, but even some of the other stocks, is a couple of questions we often get from our listeners here on Magic Markets is, how do I access the stock? How can I trade the stock? And I think this is very important because some of the stocks we're going to discuss today are listed you know, in multiple jurisdictions. I know Meituan, for example, listed in Hong Kong. I would just like to confirm that you know, at Tribe, these are stocks that you obviously have available currently on your platform, on your system for traders to actively trade in today if they, for example, like one of the ideas we talk about? No, 100%. I mean, specifically with Tencent and Meituan, they aren't dual listed like with the likes of Alibaba, Baidu and JD.com, for example. But I mean, through Thrive, you should be able to gain access to the likes of Tencent and Meituan, for example. We actually have a very sophisticated process over here where you know we get one of our guys at support to add a stock and if they have the data available they can actually add a stock if it isn't even available on the platform but yes you know mo to answer your question you would be able to gain access to those stocks through thrive thanks for clarifying that because i I think that's important as well as for many investors certainly when we're looking at chinese stocks certainly in this week's podcast to almost draw some sort of comparative to names that investors might be more familiar with either in south africa or in the US. So for example, Meituan, you've indicated the largest online delivery logistics platform. They also sell a lot of vouchers. Is this something similar to an Amazon? Is it something like a blend between an Amazon and maybe a Groupon? You know, what does the actual underlying business look like? Because I'm familiar with some of the other names that you've just mentioned and thrown out there. Meituan, maybe not one that is as familiar to people who don't follow Chinese markets as closely. No, 100%. Look, I mean, when I saw the stock, I did some research up front because I've never heard of the company before, actually. I mean, about two weeks ago, I had never even known that Meituan had existed. And it's the largest online shopping platform in China. And I mean, you know, I just mentioned earlier that it's currently the world's largest online and on-demand delivery platform. So with that in mind, yes, it is a competitor of Amazon. I mean, it's up there with the likes of Alibaba, for example. But yeah, it's in that same sector, definitely in that discretionary consumer and the online delivery industry. Alex, these Chinese super companies, super platforms, you know, they're actually quite well known to South Africans in terms of the concept. And I suppose that's just because of the Nuspas process uh, WeChat link, ultimately, you know, owned by Tencent. And I guess a lot of these companies that you look at in China kind of fall into that bracket one way or another. So it sounds like, yes, this is a little bit different. This is not a super app. This is kind of a super delivery platform. I mean, some of the stuff online calls it almost the Groupon of China. But that theme of these kind of super platforms i mean is that in line with what you've seen in in most of your chinese research and if you've got another one at hand maybe that's a good excuse to get into the next one no i mean meituan is definitely a, a standout company in the five companies that i'm about to discuss today i mean the other companies have made significant waves within the space of artificial intelligence and i, I do apologize if if you guys are getting bored of the term artificial intelligence However, it's, you know, it's just one of those terms that unfortunately the world is going to have to get used to because we are only in the beginning stages of, as I said in the last podcast, this so-called AI wave. But yeah, I mean, moving on to the next company, we are going to discuss Alibaba. And I don't think the listeners will be as unfamiliar with Alibaba as some may have been with Meituan, for example. So, I mean, I'm actually relatively bullish, but I want to say cautiously bullish on Alibaba's cloud segment business, 
So not the company as a whole, but definitely its cloud segment business. And at the end of the day, that does make up a substantial portion of the company's operations. And this is obviously now following the hype around artificial intelligence, specifically large language models. But, you know, Alibaba's board has actually approved a full spin-off of the cloud intelligence group via a stock dividend distribution to shareholders, intending it to become an independent publicly listed company. And I think that's very exciting for market participants looking to really capture some of the value in the early stages of this artificial intelligence wave. I mean, if you look at the likes of of Microsoft, Alphabet, NVIDIA, for example, you know, all the big US tech giants that are riding the AI wave, their stocks have increased exponentially year to date, some of them at least. But specifically with the companies that I'm discussing today, and more specifically with Alibaba, you know that the stock price hasn't actually really increased in line with the optimism around artificial intelligence. And I do think that that is due to the fact that the Chinese government and the state has actually come out wanting to increase state control over artificial intelligence. So I think market participants are slightly more skeptical around the optimism when it comes to China's involvement in the artificial intelligence space. But I mean, very recently, Alibaba actually announced that it's splitting its business into six different units, assuming a holding company structure. And one of the six divisions is going to be called the Cloud Intelligence Group, which will be actually spearheaded and led by the Alibaba Group CEO, Daniel Zhang. Now, the reason I'm so bullish on Alibaba's cloud segment business is because they've actually now split that business away from Alibaba Group. So at the end of the day, that's going to increase cohesion between the team. It's going to basically pave the way for the cloud intelligence group to make significant strides within the artificial intelligence realm, potentially, of course. And I mean, the CTO of Alibaba's cloud intelligence business actually recently came out and said that we are witnessing a new paradigm of AI development where cloud and AI models play an essential role. And the company has definitely you know, come to the party by dividing into six new divisions with one of those divisions solely and purely focused on artificial intelligence developments. So a lot of the growth prospects haven't materialized yet, but there is potential for Alibaba to really experience some significant share price growth if everything rolls out as smoothly as one would expect. But I mean, the share price is currently trading at around the $85 per share mark. The last time I checked, so it's down around 7 8% year to date. So I mean, it's, it definitely hasn't seen the same growth trajectory as the likes of Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, NVIDIA, so on and so forth. Alex, I think there's still that broader overhang on Chinese stocks around data, data ownership, the Chinese government, the world of tech. And I mean, I unfortunately held Alibaba through that immense pain and eventually gave up because I just got to the point where, you know, it just it just felt too difficult. It was too hard to really take a view on, you know, long term what might happen and, and, and just whether or not these companies would actually be allowed to exist and in what form. You know, do you think that overhang is still... In the markets, I mean, do you think that's something that will slowly work its way out? Because obviously, if the view is that it improves over the next five or 10 years or whatever the case is, you know, not only do you get the Chinese growth story, you also get hopefully an improved multiple 
as investors feel more confident in these businesses. Of course, if it doesn't improve, they'll always just be cheap in inverted commas, won't they? No, definitely. Look, I think a significant risk facing, you know, the Chinese economy in general is this perceived risk of state intervention and state control. And when I was doing the research for this podcast, Ghost, I mean, one of the biggest headwinds facing the artificial intelligence industry and, for example, some of the biggest headwinds facing the likes of Alibaba, Baidu, and the like is the risk of state intervention. I mean, the Chinese government has explicitly come out and actually said, you know, we want to place additional measures and more intense measures in place in order to screen artificial intelligence products before they are released to the public. So that risk of mitigation and that risk of nearly filtering products before they are released to the public is a significant headwind. And I think that's what the market is so skeptical on at the moment. These companies are also just coming out of an economy that has essentially been shut down for close to three years. So as I mentioned right at the beginning of this podcast, China is currently battling with deflation and uh, you know deflation can be as bad as inflation in the extreme sense. But we will see. I mean, there is the potential for the Chinese government to roll out a potential stimulus plan and that could bode well for the economy in general. But yeah, very different economic headwinds that are facing the Chinese economy versus the likes of South Africa and the US, for example, where we are really trying to bring inflation down to that target rate. Yeah, Alex, I want to jump in here because you know it's, it's almost, I would say, a counterpoint to the point that Ghost raised, which is to say that there's a lot of uncertainty around these companies. You've raised the point around the uncertainty in AI in this space in China geographically. Uh, I would almost say that the reason why a lot of these companies exist is because of the fact that maybe the Chinese government shuts down or creates barriers to entry for other players to operate in this space. And this might be a good place to segue to a stock like Baidu, which I know is on your list. Because for those not familiar, Baidu is a, effectively a search engine, the Chinese equivalent of Google. And again, for those who, who haven't been to China, if you go into China, you're not going to be able to find the conventional, let's call it tech platforms that you and I might be familiar with. So you might not be able to access Google and their maps, for example, you would need to use the Chinese equivalent, which would be Baidu. The same applies to, for example, you know, WhatsApp and Meta and their suite of products. You wouldn't be able to use that. You would need to use the Chinese equivalent, which would be WeChat, which then sits in Tencent. So the Chinese, let's call it barriers to entry, interventionist state is almost in some respects, maybe the reason why some of these companies exist. What is your view and how does that factor into a stock like Baidu, if we can move over to that one? No, 100% more. I mean, look, the barriers to entry do create a near monopolistic environment. And that's why some of these companies can excel, you know, and you know, that's perfect because the next, the next company that I actually do want to jump into is Baidu, but I've taken a slightly different stance. So Baidu has really captivated me because they've actually released their own chat GPT rival product, Ernibot. And I mean, while Ernibot and other generative AI powered products remain in trial mode, the company already is planning to steadily incorporate some of those AI related services into all of its businesses. So through investments in artificial intelligence, Baidu really aims to draw a larger user and customer base to drive long-term sustainable growth. And like you said earlier, Mo, you know, these barriers of entry are the potential reasons for some of these companies actually existing. But 
in, in, in no way, shape or form is Baidu you know, falling behind in this AI race. They've already released their own ChatGPT rival product, which is very exciting. And I mean, the, the share price is also, all of these companies that I'm discussing, their share prices are not at historic highs by by no means. So there is value there, in my opinion, if you look at the financials, if you look at the technicals, and you take into account what the companies are planning to initiate in this AI race or in whatever industry they operate in, there is definitely potential there. But the risk of state control and state intervention does cast a dark shadow over some of these companies' outlooks going forward. But I mean, according to Baidu CFO, Baidu is definitely taking this AI race to the likes of Microsoft, Alphabet, so on and so forth. And, you know, they've explicitly come out and stated that they will invest unwaveringly in this area in the coming quarters, which is quite a statement to make. But, you know, given that Baidu is definitely on my watch list, as is the case with Alibaba and Meituan, but again, state intervention does threaten the company's progress looking forward. But looking into some of the financials, for example, you know, quarterly revenue came in 10% higher year over year, but actually slipped 6% down quarter on quarter. However, quarterly revenue did exceed analyst expectations, as was the case with their earnings per share. But I mean, looking at Baidu's trailing 12-month price-to-earnings ratio, it's actually the lowest price-to-earnings ratio since 2018. And the forward-looking price-to-earnings ratio, or the next 12 months price-to-earnings ratio, is currently sitting at a multiple of 13-fold. And that is the lowest multiple in approximately five, five to six years. So... Yeah, definitely lots of potential for some of these companies, specifically Baidu. I mean, they've explicitly come out and said that they will invest unwaveringly in the realm of artificial intelligence. And I don't think, you know, the likes of Baidu or any massive technology conglomerate will make such a bold statement if they're not willing to back it up. I'll tell you what I find interesting, Alex, is the way this East and West battle continues over everything. So... You know, Alibaba's cloud business is very popular in China, but not so big outside of that. Likewise, the biggest cloud providers in the world in the West, so that's obviously Microsoft and Amazon, don't necessarily have fantastic market penetration in somewhere like China. So the geopolitical shift really comes through, not just in the way data is owned, but also in the way it's stored. And I see that Baidu, you know, they talk about not just AI, but cloud as well. So you basically have this entire AI infrastructure being built in China purely because there's just this underlying distrust of anything from the West. And these things get built in parallel, which is really, really interesting. It, it makes it difficult for them to expand, I guess, beyond China. But China is a pretty big place, you know, to get it right there, you make a lot of money. No, definitely, Ghost. I mean, at the end of the day, China is the world's second largest economy behind the US, obviously. And I mean, I read something very interesting the other day, actually, that China has already banned access to chat GPT uh, in certain jurisdictions. And that's where you could see the likes of Baidu and Alibaba, for example, with their chat GPT rival products really excel. I mean, I touched on this in the last podcast, but the demand for chat GPT like products or large language models or some AI service offering is exponential. The pace at which chat GPT 
reached a million users and then 10 million users and then 100 million users was absolutely mind-boggling. So, I mean, the fact that the Chinese government is now threatening to, for example, restrict access to ChatGPT in some of its jurisdictions creates this opportunity for the likes of Baidu, for the likes of Alibaba to really, you know, take their products to the market and really ride the AI wave. And I mean... It's not the most populous nation in the world now, but I can imagine that Chinese demand for large language models will, you know, fly sky high if there is restricted access to ChatGPT. Yeah, I thought that kind of occurred to me is the fact that a lot of what we've seen in AI, certainly with regards to large language models, have been modeled on very Western, let's call it Anglo-centric databases. Uh, I'm not sure what those cultural nuances would look like in terms of how would the large language models operate in China. Again, I'm fully out of my depth when it comes to some of these technical aspects, but I, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of exciting runway in some of these stocks. Now, we've touched on Alibaba. We've touched on Baidu. We've touched on Meituan. Uh, what are the other stocks that you're looking at in terms of Five with Tribe in China this week? You know, where else are you seeing some of these amazing opportunities? Because I've been one of those people invested in Chinese stocks. I'm, I haven't been bearish. I haven't followed a lot of the bearish narrative and it's been painful. I've, I've worn some of these declines in the share prices, but that's because I'm taking a longer term view. What in your view also represents a compelling opportunity, either short term or longer term uh, with, within this theme? No, definitely, Mo. I mean, the next stock I would like to discuss and something that I am rather bullish on is actually JD.com or, you know, also known as Jingdong or just JD. And, you know, this company has actually grown to be a Chinese e-commerce giant in recent years. It has emerged as a leading supply chain based technology and service provider, and it has definitely emerged as one of China's most trusted brands in retail. So JD actually showcased impressive growth in profitability in the first quarter of 2023, and they attracted a record number of third-party merchants to their JD.com platform, which is quite impressive seeing that, you know, China has only recently just come out of its prolonged COVID-19 lockdown phase. But what really captivated my attention into some of the growth potential, some of the unlocked value within JD's operations are some of its initiatives made by its independent segments. So, I mean, if we look at the JD retail sector, for example, in February, Tesla launched its official flagship store on JD.com, offering a wide variety of auto products, including charging equipment, premium accessories, apparel, so on and so forth. And JD definitely plans to further leverage this advantage to promote the development of Tesla's online store on its platform. And we've, we're all familiar with how Tesla has grown to be a superhouse of a company, a super multinational conglomerate in recent years. So to actually now have some of those products on its JD.com platform within the retail segment is very promising in my view. And I mean, this was only announced in February. So a lot of those profits, a lot of the, the revenue numbers, a lot of the capital inflow that would have materialized from, from that point where, where Tesla has launched its flagship store on JD.com, a lot of that hasn't been reflected in the latest financial statements. So I do think that there is significant potential there. 
And I mean, if you look at some of the initiatives made by its health segment, JD Health, for example, in the same month in February, JD Health officially announced the establishment of the intelligent medical engine on its online healthcare service platform. And this engine aims to actually utilize AI systems to improve the efficiency and quality of doctors' online diagnoses and remedies. So there again, we have another company, you know, spearheading into the AI space, and that's JD.com. And they're really taking it to the likes of Alibaba and Baidu. And I think it's quite a clever way of implementing AI, you know, with this search engine to actually utilize AI systems to improve doctors' online diagnoses and remedies. So quite interesting stuff there, definitely. And I mean, there's because time is limited, I won't really go into it, but they've also made significant initiatives within the logistics segment. And looking at some of the price-to-earnings ratios of JD, I mean, JD's trailing 12-month PE ratio is currently sitting at a multiple of just over 20-fold, significantly down from the 2022 multiple of 45-fold. So there's definitely potential there. And I think the company is spearheading a lot of initiatives which may or may not unfold in an optimistic manner. But yeah, only time will tell. But I definitely think that the potential is there. And I mean, something that I actually read about 20 minutes before this podcast was, I'm sure all the listeners and you and Ghost are aware of Michael Burry, you know, the famous portfolio manager of Skyon Asset Management from the 2008 financial crisis. And he's currently got, I think, 20% of his... AUM in his Skyon portfolio invested in the likes of JD and Alibaba. So I'm not telling the listeners to to follow suit, for example, but he is a famous contrarian investor. And given where the share prices are now, some of the initiatives made by these companies, some of the, the potential that may or may not be unlocked, but also given the headwaves and the headwinds that are facing the Chinese economy. It does create this this potential. And I mean, Michael Burry coming out blatantly and saying that 20% of his Skyon asset management portfolio is invested in the likes of Alibaba and JD.com. It's, yeah, it, it definitely paves the way towards some market attention towards those companies. Yeah, maybe an improvement in sentiment towards some of these Chinese stocks. And again, it always comes down to valuation and what is priced in versus what is likely to happen, right? That is how investing works. Anything can be a great investment at the right time. Anything can be a horrible investment at the wrong time, literally anything. And just conscious of time, Alex, I guess there's one more to go. I can guess what it is, and it's probably the one that is most familiar to South Africans because it's a pretty major Chinese player, right? 100%, 100%. I've actually left the most obvious to last, and that's obviously Tencent. And, you know, Tencent is actually one of those companies that market participants have speculated to be working on its own rival product to ChatGPT. But there was actually no explicit acknowledgement of such rumors in the company's most recent earnings call, which I found quite strange, but maybe they just, you know, keeping everything behind the curtains until they would like to reveal the end product rather than go down the, the same road as Alphabet and when they released BARD, which unfortunately failed. But look, I mean, there is evidence that the company is making significant plans to further embrace artificial intelligence within its product and service offerings. 
But what really caught my eye was the statement by the chairman and CEO in the latest quarterly earnings call, which basically came along the lines of Tencent is investing in its AI capabilities in cloud infrastructure to embrace the opportunities brought forward by AI-related offerings. Now, the company has achieved robust revenue growth amidst some domestic consumption recovery year-to-date, for example, and their games revenue improved, but their advertising revenue actually incurred rapid growth. I mean, total revenues increased by 11% year-on-year for the quarter, coming in at approximately 150 billion RMB, up from just over 135 billion RMB in the same quarter last year. And total revenues, or the top-line figure, came in 3% higher than market expectations. Diluted earnings per share came in at 3.35 RMB per share, again, 3% higher than estimates. But this is definitely a a company that is very interesting and on my watch list. And I mean, over recent years, they've actually diversified their operations significantly. You know, a few years ago, I can't remember exactly when, but their value-added services accounted for approximately 80% of total revenue, whereas that segment, the value-added services segment, accounts for just over 50 specifically 53% of total quarterly revenue. Online advertising counts for 14% of total quarterly revenue. And its fintech and business services segment has actually grown significantly, accounting for 32% of total quarterly revenue. And then, yeah, I mean, that that's, that's everything at the end of the day. Its gross margin has improved slightly from 42% to 45% year over year. And its operating margin and net margins are constant at 27 and 18% respectively. But yeah, I mean, that's that's basically everything in a nutshell. So yeah, the last company was a nice little financial sum up and an insight into some of the fundamental data there. Alex, last question from me. If you had to pick one, is there a Tribe House view on your favorite of the five or would you buy a basket of these things because it's quite hard to pick a winner? I would, if I had to choose one, look, I would struggle to choose one, but if I had to choose one, it would probably be JD. And if I could choose two, it would probably be JD and Alibaba. There we go. Thank you. Yeah, Alex, I think that's fantastic. I mean, I've certainly learned something here. Uh, The the one that stood out for me was Meituan. You know, that's one that I I have heard of, but obviously didn't have any context or detail Mm. around that and probably warrants a little bit more homework from my side. Uh, It's been interesting. I mean, Chinese stocks uh, have not been for the faint at heart. I think... Tencent, for example, uh, it would certainly be worthwhile South African investors maybe paying more attention to that if you like that in terms of exposure, simply because your exposure through the listed groups down in South Africa, Process Naspers, has been decreasing over time. And again, if you're interested in trading any of these stocks, as Alex has indicated, you'll be able to find those on Tribe. But Alex, perhaps maybe as we sign off for our listeners uh, where can they find Tribe? Where can they find some of these additional insights that you have put on the table uh, if they're interested in looking into this in a little bit more detail or potentially executing on some of the ideas that you put on the table? No, fantastic. I mean, you can just go to our website homepage at www.trive.co.za, sign up for either a Tribe investor or Tribe trade account. The signing up process is simple, it's quick. Uh, no hassle whatsoever. And then one of the traders on desk 
or myself, for example, will be more than happy to give you a call and guide you through the process. You know, we really do prioritize direct customer service at Thrive. So there's always someone to get a hold of and actually speak to, which is a big plus in the broking industry. Alex, thanks so much. I look forward to more articles from you in the next few weeks in Ghostmail. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Magic Markets and highlighting China, which is something that I think has fallen off a lot of investors' radars after you know a lot of pain. Nice reminder that if you keep an eye on these things, then sometimes there's value to be found. So thank you so much, Alex. We look forward to your next appearance on Magic Markets and good luck in the markets. Ditto to our listeners. Good luck out there. Thanks. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor.